Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And I have got a guy on the podcast today that has a brilliant mind for all things, but specifically a mind for sales. He is a keynote speaker, a worldwide sales training and leadership consultant. We're going to talk about Mark's books. We're going to talk about the people that he helps. We're going to get into Mark's story. It is an honor today to have my friend Mark Hunter joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Looking forward to our conversation. Let's have some fun. I am Make too. Mark, let's let's start here. And, and I've start, I start here with this line of questioning because, again, I want to know what COVID-19 and the pandemic life has been like for other people because I know what it's been like here in West Virginia where I am. It's been different. It's been unusual. You live in a small community like I live in. A, your community is a little bit bigger than mine. But again, a really familial, um, neighborly community where you live and where I live as well. Take me around the last year for you and your family and your business around COVID-19 and the pandemic. Well, the biggest thing is I haven't been traveling. I mean, I, I used to travel um, almost 250 days a year worldwide. And when I got off the airplane in the middle of March last year, uh, now I've made about five trips since then, uh, but not, you know, man, nothing compared to what I had been doing. So that was the biggest shock. Uh, my wife and I do get along. We get along very well. So that was, well, that worked out well. Hey, I remember doing those things, man. I used to travel about, a, about 150 days a year myself in a regional sales role. And yeah, I mean, you look forward to coming home to, to a woman that wants to, that, that wants you to come home to her. Yeah. And, and it really is, uh, Here's what I found. I didn't realize business could get even faster, but that's what it did during COVID. Because what I found myself is now, instead of working with one company a day, because I'm on site with somebody, I'm speaking at a conference. Now I'm working with six, seven companies in a day because it's an hour here. It's an hour there. It's, it's, I mean, because of the digital world that we live in. There is no distance whatsoever that we cannot penetrate. I mean, I do more work now in Europe. And in fact, in another hour, I got a conversation with a company in uh, Italy. Um, you know, they've hired me to do some work for them. That never would have happened before because they couldn't afford to bring me over. Today, it works just fine. So it's opened up a tremendous amount of doors. It's closed down other doors. But you know what? We can't do anything about it. So you might as well just figure out a way and make it happen. And that's what I think I've done. And, and, and I think for those of us who have embraced it that way, we're coming through COVID stronger than ever. Yeah. And hey, it's great. Well, and, and I had the good fortune of, of, of talking with your good friend and mine, Bob Berg. And Bob is a great guy. And Bob said, you know, it worked out well for him because Mark, he was able, he wanted to reduce his travel schedule anyway. This just provided the perfect vehicle to do it. And, and, and you make a, such a good point. Those, those people that are road warriors, I was a road warrior. You've been a road warrior. You understand you're wired that when Monday morning rolls around, 
you're going somewhere. You are you gear you kind of gear your mind on Sunday. At least I did. I geared my mind on Sunday. I wanted to make sure my suitcases were ready, everything I needed for the week. I knew I was going to be gone on Monday, back on Thursday, or if I left on Tuesday, I'd be back on Friday. You gear your mind that way. How have you recalibrated your mind around not not traveling? Because you you do get in that regimen and routine of of here's where I've got to be on Monday. How did you regear your mind? Well, it does. It requires a lot more segmentation, and it it really requires the ability to get focused even more. I've I've, I've always prided myself on okay, I'm going to be singularly focused. You you can't multitask. Get this multitasking out. That's a that's a that is fiction. It's how do I get focused? But now what I've had to learn is I've had to get focused in very much one hour chunks or 90 minute chunks or 45 minute chunks. And I literally have to pivot and go completely different because this company I'm working with right now, I have to be dialed in 100% with them. I get off that Zoom call or that Teams meeting or whatever, and I move over here. So it's really kind of, I think, strengthened our discipline muscles. Because it's also, this is what's interesting, working from home, oh, wow, we only have to get dressed from the waist up. Oh, wow, we can be more relaxed. Oh, wow, we can be more, right? Yeah. And as a result, bad habits can kind of set in. And so I find that COVID has actually strengthened my discipline muscle. No, I love that, and I'm I'm writing that down. And, and and if you see me, if you see me as as the camera cuts back to me, you see me looking down. I'm writing these things down that Mark is saying as we're talking. And Mark, I love what you said there about strengthening the discipline muscle because it would be so easy. And look, when when, when I came off the road about five years ago, the thing I had to adjust to was sleeping in my own bed because you get used to you get used to driving rental cars. You get used to sleeping in hotel rooms. You get used to the, you know, I, I, I go to these places when I'm in these towns for dinner. And now all of a sudden you come home and your wife's got, you know, hopefully got dinner or you get something or things like that. I had to recalibrate. For me, I had to recalibrate back to what normal should be for a normal family. How do you see salespeople recalibrating themselves well, that, that's standard. certainly key because we have to set boundaries. You know, this is this is one of the big keys, and this is the discipline muscle. You have to set boundaries because if we're all working from home, we're all doing stuff, you have to say, okay, this is a time that I've set aside for my kids. This is a time I've set aside for my family. And here's what I've found. And there are some workaholic salespeople who are listening to this podcast right now. And I admit I'm a recovering workaholic. I mean, I love my job, and I still work too much. But what I find is this, if I can celebrate the success of my family, if I can celebrate the moment being with friends, if I can celebrate the time of doing something over it, it makes my work time that much more productive. You see, sometimes what happens is we have to contrast. People say, oh, I got to keep working. I got to keep working. I got to keep working. No, stop, stop. Completely pull yourself aside. I found myself in this situation back here about a month ago where I was just going, I was going too fast. And I said, hold it. I'm going to break apart and I'm going to set one hour a day just to be reading books, just to be reading. And I'm going to go to a different room in the house and I'm going to sit there and just read. And you know what? That was the best um, experience I could have 
because it totally took me away from my office, took me away from the cameras. I got five, I have five, if you could see behind me, I got five cameras behind me for all kinds of different configurations and setups and so forth. And what happens is you stay in the moment, you, 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 you keep, I got to do this, I gotta do, but stop. And it goes back to the old analogy contrast you know if if you play music and i remember when when my my wife's a musician yeah and it's amazing the forte the f forte is much louder when it is accented pre or post with the p the pianissimo yeah the silence and what happens is it makes it more effective. And I think our work becomes more effective when we contrast it with other activities. Well, I love what you mentioned there because I, I have, and, and I detailed this in, in People Buy From People, is that my dad got me singing in church when I was three years old. And so the same thing happens with the voice. There are times that you swell a note and there are times that you really bring it in and, and make it nice and breathy. And and, and we, we have the, the powerful singers really have that voice control where they can do both equally well. If, if you hear sometimes, and my wife was playing something the other day, and it, and it was a female singer, and she had a real breathy, I can't remember who the singer was, she had a real breathy note. And in the song, it was just like, yeah, that's nice. That's really, or if someone goes falsetto, and it's just a nice, just a nice evening, you just take that note up nice and easy. It does the same thing. How do salespeople, Mark, let's go here for a second. I love the, the, the way where you're taking us. How do salespeople understand the power of Forte and the, and the power of, of Panissimo in, in selling? Yeah, well, this is, it all impacts how we listen. Because think about this, the typical salesperson on a call will sit there and, oh, I got this list of questions I want to ask. And they motor from one question to the next question, the next question. And it's amazing, but I, I talk a lot about the three-second pause. When the other person gets done talking, you just wait for three seconds before you say anything. Now, what does that do? It resonates because suddenly that person who's talking says, wow, this person must be really thinking about something I just said. And you know what's interesting? Many times that customer will wind up sharing more information. That three-second pause brings it makes what you're about to say more dynamic. It frames what you say. This is what I always say. When, when I'm about ready to present something significant, I frame it with silence, pre and post. You know, one of the big issues that salespeople have is they present a price. And, um, ooh, and then, uh, well, you know, we, we can, we, we can kind of make changes to this. We can tweak this. We can do, uh, oh, wow. You just, you just stepped on it because you didn't allow yeah. silence to take hold. Yeah. I, I, I am having flashbacks in my mind um, about times where I saw people, well, and, and I did it early in my sales career. I gave away profit. And then I learned later in my career that, that my time and my expertise is worth something. And so to, to add to what you get, you know, I, I think a lot of customers don't realize what they get that they can't see to justify the price that they're paying for that item. Because everybody looks in it, you know, Mark, I've got this Cincinnati Reds mug. I'm a Cincinnati Reds baseball fan, been in one all my life. I, I know what this mug costs. 
But what you can't see is what's inside this mug. The reason that I buy this mug is for what you can't see. The beverage that I want to put in, and it's hot tea. And so I don't buy this mug for, for the outside. It's black. It's got a red sticker on it. It, it shows that it's mine. I buy that item for what I can put in it that you can't see. What, I want to go here for just a quick second. We'll step aside, take a break. Why do you think salespeople stumble over what the customer can't see? Because they're too fixated on what they see. They, they're too fixated on their features. We'll go old school here for a bit. Yeah, get old and, features and benefits. Yeah. yeah, and they can't really get into the head of the value that the customer is looking for. You see, oh, but, oh, I understand customer's value. No, you don't. Value is not what you, the salesperson, believes. Value is what the customer perceives. Big difference there. Big difference. Well, yeah, and, and I've told young salespeople for years myself, I said, look, it's not up to you to define value. If you're trying to define value for your customer, you're missing it because everybody has a different definition of value. Mark, let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about your book of mind for sales. That that has really been something that that has been revolutionary in, in the sales industry. Um, a longtime sales guy myself, so I understand um, what books like this can do to revolutionize sales and business. So if you're a business leader, your business owner, team leader, you want to stick around because Mark's going to tell you why you say, well, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not, I don't manage salespeople. Every business out there needs to have a mind for sales. Mark's going to tell you why in just a moment. My good friend, Mark Hunter here on the Intentional Encourager podcast back in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Mark, let's go here for a second. If I've heard it once and you have too, I've heard it a thousand times. Brian, I'm not in sales. And they, they run a restaurant or they run a distribution company or they run a small retail outlet or they run a tire and lube shop or something like that. But they say, Brian, I'm not in sales. And I said, well, then why'd you open the door? If you're not, if you're not in business for sales, then why did you, why'd you open the door? What do people, what's a one misconception about salespeople that you've heard that, that well, you want to clear up? Oh man, there's so many misconceptions. First of all, that all they want to do is take my money. You know, that that's <laughs> look, let's get that myth off the table. But I want to come back to this whole thing. You're right. The, the person who has the restaurant, the the uh, distribution center, whatever. You know what's interesting is 
they may see them. I'm not in sales. I'm, I'm, I'm leading my employees. Well, let me tell you something. The definition of a great salesperson and the definition of a great leader is the exact same thing. It's to help others see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. That's what it's all about. If you're a restaurant owner and you suddenly find yourself short staff and you got to somehow figure out a way how we're going to make it this evening, what are you doing? You have to figure out a way to, to lead your people to be able to see and achieve that they're going to be able to do this with three less people today. If you're a distribution center and you got to get more loads out today than you ever thought possible, you got to help your people see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. That's what a salesperson does. That's what it is. Yeah. See, we're all in sales because we're all leading. We just haven't gotten the memo. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And Mark, here's the thing too, and, and I love what you said there about leading. And, and, and I, I've said this to people before too. I said, listen, what I learned about sales a long time ago was this. When I walked shoulder to shoulder with my customer, arm in arm with my customer, we got more accomplished than if I was trying to pull them to what I wanted to get accomplished. And, 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 and the analogy here that I'll go here for just a second is, if, if I'm standing across the room with you and I go, Mark, come on, I want you to come this way with me. And you, and you dig your, your heels in, you go, Brian, I, I don't want to do that. I, 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 I don't want to go there. I, I've got trepidation or I just don't want to do it. When we try to pull somebody somewhere, it's, it's a lot harder than, than putting our arm around them and saying, hey, let's, let's walk together. I'll walk with you through this process. When, when you wrote A Mind for Sales, what was the one aha moment that you had that you go, that you said to yourself, I never considered it like this before until now? The impact and the realization that the only good sale is the one that leads to the next sale. You know, transactional sales are dead. That's all being done on the internet. Let's talk about this for a moment. I want to have every sale I do lead to the next sale. And if it doesn't, I haven't delivered value. I haven't really helped the customer. And I think that's what really resonated. And that caused me then to realize that, you know what? We don't close sales. That's a bad, that's a bad word. We open relationships. Yeah. And when we open relationships, it's amazing what happens long-term. The mark of a good salesperson is what is the long-term trend line of referrals and repeat business that they're getting? Stop and think about that for a moment. Yeah. The other piece though, that salespeople have a real, and this was another aha moment, is because I, I wrote the book, A Mind for Sales. I, I gotta take a step back for a second. Yeah, my first ahead, book, please. My yeah. first book was High Profit Selling, How to Maximize the Price. People read the book and said, that's great, but I, I, how do I find the right customers? So that's what led me to write High Profit Prospecting. And, that's, and High Profit Prospecting is, is it's, it, 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 literally, it is a prescription of how to prospect. And people said, Mark, that's great, but I just, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't do it. You know, they, they, they were caught up in this emotional head twisting mindset. Yeah. That's what caused me to write A Mind for Sales. Really what I did was I did the whole Star Wars prequel thing, okay? I mean, I probably, <laughs> should, I probably should have started with A Mind for Sales yeah. and then got high profit prospecting, high profit selling. But so, that, you know, that really was the genesis for why I wrote the book A Mind for Sales because prospecting, see, here's the whole thing. 
people don't want to prospect. Oh, I, I, I don't want to bug them. And I go, hold it. If you have the ability to help someone, then it's your obligation to reach out to them. Yeah. You have the ability. And it, if you hone what you do down to you, here's the ICP, my ideal customer profile. I talk a lot about it in the book. Yeah. And these are the people I can help then you know what? I know I can help them. Then it's my, ob- I, I love picking up the phone and making cold calls. Oh, cold calls. Now yeah. it's really no such thing as a cold call because I know this person fits in my ICP and I probably have done 30 seconds worth of research. It doesn't take long. I, I can find some. And, and, and I, my goal is to create a relationship. See, to me, that, that's what jazzes me. So, I mean, when, when I look at why I wrote the book and what was the turning point and so forth, it really was this magnification of the influence and impact we as salespeople have and can have on more and more people every day. I, I freely say that my whole goal, my mission in life is to influence and impact people. That's, that's really what my goal is. Sales is just the medium. I've chosen to help me do that. I could have been a plumber. I could have been an architect. I could have been anything. Yeah. But by sales, I, I feel like I'm able to influence and impact people more. You know what? That's a pretty cool mission to be on. It really is. And, and let's let's go here for a minute because I want to talk to that business owner that, that's out there, that 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 business, that business person, that leader out there. I hope you're really digging into what Mark's saying because understand this is that the minute that a customer, internal or external, walks into your life, it's your job to make them feel important. It's your job to make them want to be there every day if they work for you. What can I do to encourage them? What can I do to help them? What can I do to deliver the kind of value that they want to stay? And and Mark, as we'll say here in West Virginia, it would take a bomb to, to blow them out of that position. And, and, and it's the same in selling. And I love what you said about cold calling. I love cold calling. I developed the, the, I didn't like it at first when I was, when I was out trying to see customers, I was a young sales guy. By the time I got to my mid thirties, I loved cold calling because I knew what I could do for that customer. I knew what I had done for customers previously. And Mark, I, I'll share this. I made it about when I would go and cold call, I used to call in restaurants. I was in the food service distribution business. I call a restaurant and I would go, you know what? I've heard really good things about you. I just wanted to come and meet you and say hello. That was my first cold call. And I said, Hey, I, I I'm, I'm Brian with, with, with X food company. I just wanted to stop and say hello for a few minutes. I know you're busy. Um, I'll be back in the area next Tuesday. If you don't mind, I'd love to stop back. If you've got a few minutes, if not, again, I, I totally understand, but I just came to meet you. And I got to the point, I really loved cold calling. Because when you lay your agenda, you hit on it beautifully. When you lay your agenda aside, it's amazing how people's minds are more receptive. They are totally more receptive because here's the whole thing. With each conversation I have, and I don't care who it is with, I have one goal, to earn the right, the privilege, the honor, and the respect to be able to meet with that person again. That's it. And if I take that approach, I I pick up the phone, I call somebody, and I I just want to earn the right, the privilege, honor, and respect to be able to talk with you again. Now, if I can find a piece of information out about you that I can help you with, if I can create a next step, that's all great. That's that's a home run. Yeah. 
But my first goal is just to be able to begin establishing that connection. Well, and, and Mark, it's beautiful because, again, let's use a sports analogy there. It's really hard to hit a home run if you don't make contact. Uh, you got it. You got it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, and, and what does that mean? You got to get up to bat. And, and when, when people sit there and say, and again, when, when people sit there and say, oh, I'm having a terrible quarter, I'm having a terrible month, I'm not, I, and, 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 I, and they say, well, I don't have enough deals to close. And I come back to this whole thing, well, how much time did you spend prospecting? You can't close what you don't prospect. And I find too many people, what they do is they, they somehow magically want to close sales and make their number without going through the work of prospecting. It starts with, I see this in my own business. I watch my own peaks and valleys and it goes right back to the amount of time I'm spending. How much time am I spending on the phone creating conversations? And this is the whole thing. See, a mind for sales, what does this do? It frames me up in the mind to see opportunities. I, I'm going to go with a rant here for just a moment. So bear with go, me. Go for ahead. Because he, he, here's this whole thing. People sit there and say, oh, I got I to gotta make 10 calls. I got to make 10 calls. This is, these are stupid. These are stupid. These are stupid. Well, guess what? I guarantee it. You're not going to find anything in those 10 calls because you just saw them as 10 calls. Now, if you say, I got to make 10 calls and these are 10 opportunities. I know these are 10 opportunities. Yeah. It is amazing how you're going to see and you're going to find opportunities. You see, when I hear salespeople say, well, I don't get any opportunities. I, I, don't, I don't get the things. I don't get the opportunities. I don't get the leads. I don't get the stuff that, that so-and-so gets. And I go, yeah, because it starts with your mindset. Th this is the same thing. Go back, go back to restaurant. I love it that you came out of the food service industry. I came out of consumer packaged goods industry myself. So we have a lot of similarity there. Yeah. And you look at a waitstaff person. The, the, the waitstaff person who is willing to engage in their customers, I guarantee it is going to walk out the door at the end of the day with more tips. It's just a given. hundred percent. And we used to, Mark, we used to, we used to say that we had customers that were so busy walking past dollars to get to nickels. And, and you, you know this well, and, and, and again, business owner, you can't save your way to prosperity. You cannot save your way to prosperity because it never works. When you start to cut labor, your customer service gets affected. When you start to cut quality, your, your, your customer, I don't care what business you're in, you cannot save your way to prosperity. And so I love what Mark said, your mindset, Mark, this is what I wrote down. And we'll, and we'll, we'll transition, we'll go to break here in just a second. Your mindset affects everything you do. So I want you to, to, to give us one more little nugget from a mind for sales that, that's going to help somebody when they listen to this. He, here's two things that I really, in fact, I, I shared it this morning with somebody I was talking to. I said, you have to be very careful as to who you associate with. You have to be very careful as to who your men, everybody has a mentor. Many people just don't know who their mentor is, but it's the person who influences them the most. Okay. And one of the things that I say changes your mindset is who do you associate with? I happen to be part of a mastermind group of three other stellar salespeople. And we are constantly sharing text messages. We're constantly sharing notes. What does that do? It lifts each of us up and it frames us to have an incredibly successful day every day. Wow. That is so good. That is so good. Let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, I want to get into Mark's story. Um, you're going to want to hear 
the story behind the the person. And that's why we do the Intentional Encourager podcast, because I want you to hear the story, how this person got from point A to point B. We'll share that with Mark Hunter here in just a moment on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, Kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Mark, let's go and share your story in the remaining time we've got. I want you to take us as far back as you want to go from point A. You mentioned your career in the packaged goods industry, but take us as far back as you want to go from point A to, to today. I did not want to be in sales. <laughs> let's just let's just put it out on the table right there. I did not go to college to be in sales. You uh, and I both. I went to college. I was a journalism major. I was a broadcast journalism and switched into oh, print journalism. Hey, so yeah. You're listening to the Mindy 95 KQZ Radio 719. I was I was I wanted to be the voice of the Cincinnati Reds. That was my well, there you go. See, yeah. okay. See, I was I was a disc jockey in college. <laughs> And uh, now this is what's funny. People don't realize um, why I became a disc jockey. I became a disc jockey because I had a speech problem. I stuttered as a kid. And yet for some reason, I could get behind a microphone. And you're listening to the Doobie Brothers. And I mean, okay, that just dated me right there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Throw the kid out. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean... It, I could get behind a microphone and I, I could speak. So what was funny was I, I, I went to college and uh, I love being a disc jockey. Now you can't tell your parents that's why they're sending you to college. So I was getting a degree in marketing and I was all set to get the degree in marketing because I wanted to go into advertising, thought that was kind of cool and all that sort of stuff. And what happened was I um, got too many speeding tickets the last semester, last quarter of college. Um, nobody was hurt. Nobody was harmed. And, uh, but when you're in college, you're not responsible for your actions, right? <laughs> Some of you have kids <laughs> listening to this and you know that problem right now. Okay. Anyway, yes. um, I did my responsibility. I paid the tickets, um, and I ignored them. And it, it problem is my insurance company didn't ignore me. 
a couple months later, a couple months after graduating, I was still kind of in this job search mode. And a couple months after, I get this uh, notice in the mail from my insurance company. They weren't dropping me, but they were inviting me into the high risk pool. Now, for those of you who have, who have ever been in the high risk pool, you know that it costs a lot of money. Well, I suddenly had this little problem. I had a new car, I had apartment rent, and I had insurance. I could only pay two of those three. <laughs> it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So I, that's actually how I wound up in sales. I, I, I wound up in, in, in sales because I needed to get a job that supplied me with a car. That's how I, and, and the job was so schlocky because again, remember, I couldn't go to work for a company that did background checks on your driving record because I wouldn't get hired. So I got a job selling sides of beef. Yes. To restaurants. Yes. To anybody and everybody who would sell, who I could sell beef to and, but supplied me with a car. Now this is what's funny. I did not want to be in sales. I hated it. Uh, I very quickly adopted commission breath because I thought it was all about the money. And I got fired from that job. Uh, hmm, a little bit of a problem. Okay, so I get a second job, second car, okay, second company car. And uh, uh, again, I've got commission breath. And about nine months later, I'm gone from that job. So you are listening to a person who has been fired from their first two sales jobs. Isn't that pretty cool? Hey, see, it, and what was funny was I got a third job, third job third company car. And I still remember it. My boss's boss brought me in, sat me down. He had spent some time working with me and he said, Mark, why are you in sales? I go, oh, great. The guy's going to fire me. I, I really thought I was going to get fired. I wanted to make a joke. I said, well, it's all about the car, but I just didn't think that was going to be appropriate. What I what I share with him, I, 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 I said, you know, I, I, I'm in sales because the job, it's a, it's a good job. It's a good company and so forth. And he says, do you feel you're connecting with customers? I go, well, yeah, I feel like I am. And he said, no, you're not. He called me out right then and there for commission breath. He called me out. And, that, and that's a word, commission breath is a phrase I'll, I'll, I'll credit Larry Levine with, who yeah. you've had on your show. He called me out for that. And you can smell commission breath a mile away. They, they, they can smell it a mile away. And what he was saying is, Mark, you're not going to create the relationships you need with your customers. Yeah. Unless you really take the time to understand them. That set me on the journey that I've been on for years since. Now, it didn't, it didn't settle in right away. It took me a little while for it to settle in. But as you begin to process that over the months and years, I'm a slow learner. Uh, it really begins, Wow suddenly sales is a completely different ball game. And How that's you, why I love it. Well, let me ask you this. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you, you have that, that seminal moment where, where you're sitting across the table from this, from this guy. And he says, how are you connecting with customers? Did you, did you have a moment where you got mad or did you say, well, oh, of course I'm connecting with customers. How did you process the, the, powerful feedback that you get because sometimes salespeople do one of two things they either blow back and when they blow back they go okay well this person's got a point or they go ah, come on man I i'm good at sales i know i'm good at sales this guy has no he's not in the field he's sitting behind a desk you know how did you process that powerful oh. piece of information you were just told i'll, well, I'll walk you through the whole scenario first of all 
my boss's boss said, I wanted to meet you tomorrow at one o'clock in my office. And, and I remember I told my wife the night before I said, I need you to drive to work today. I normally would take her to work. We were, we were broke company car. I take my wife to work and I said, you need to drive to work. And if you can, and if I call you at one o'clock or one 30, can you get off work early? Cause I think you're going to have to come pick me up because I'm going to get fired. I mean, I really thought I was going into the, I thought I was going in and I was getting fired. I mean, I really did. And I go into this meeting and it's funny because, but I've got the car keys in my pocket. Yeah. And um, I've even cleaned out my company car. I have literally, I mean, I, I'm so, de- I, I'm just, I've gone down this road twice. I know I'm going to get fired again. And I go in and he sits down and we're talking and he says, do you think you're connecting with your customers and so forth? And, and I'm thinking, I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to convince me to quit because there's less paperwork on his part. That's what he's trying to do. You know, he's trying to convince me to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm, so yeah, I was toughening up and, and it, it was like, I'm pushing the keys to the bottom of my pocket. There's no way he's going to get the keys to this car out of me. I, I am, I am, I am staying in this. And what was so funny, this is where the seminal moment really occurred. He said, do you eat breakfast? I go, okay, now this is a random question. I think, what is he going to do? Is he going to give me a bunch of coupons to a restaurant for free breakfast as my severance package or what? He says, do you eat breakfast? And I said, yes, I do eat breakfast. He says, what do you have for breakfast? And I go, okay, see, it's, it's proving. He, he's going to give me some coupons for a restaurant. Something like. And I go, I normally just have a bowl of cereal or something real quick. And he says, do you do anything while you eat breakfast? I go, no, not really. He says, I want you to eat breakfast with a mirror in front of you because you have the most dour face I have ever met. Mm. Now, when you're 24 years of age and you hear the word dour, you have never heard that word before. Okay. I'm just saying that's not a word 24 year olds run around and and say, but what he was saying is, is Mark, you're not connecting with your customers. You're not connecting with your customers. And he was spot on. He was spot on because I was going in as commission breath. I was going in just to just to make the sale, get the money, get out, and and go on to the next one. Well, Mark, do you feel like that he saw something in you? Because there's one of two things that can happen. There is there is compassion where you say there 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 are two reasons that you keep people at times, and, and business owners it'll resonate with you. You keep people that are on the fence for one of two reasons. You have compassion on that person or you see potential in that person. What do you think in that moment looking back? What if you were, what if Mark Hunter at where you are now was sitting across the table from that Mark Hunter, from 24 year old Mark Hunter, would you have seen potential or compassion? Um, I, I, I think potential. I mean, I mean, I really do. I mean, cause I, um, I, I was I was achieving some big things in the background and so forth. And I think he saw that I had potential. And if he could just kind of shift this around, because he he was not a passionate person. He would he would fire people at a heartbeat. That's why I thought I was going in to get fired. So I think he really felt that if we can just turn this, this new kid we hired who's been with us for about six months, is really gonna light the woods on fire. You know, and it did. I wound up having a 12 year run with that company. Tremendous amount of success. They moved me six, seven times around the country, uh, wound up achieving significant success with the company. And uh, 
it was an absolute great ride. Yeah. When, when you would mark would 20, I want to go back to that point because that, that seemed like that was the moment for you in your career that really changed everything for you where where you, where he sits you down and say, look, eat breakfast, but eat, eat breakfast in front of a mirror and you have a dour face. If you could have put one of your three books in, in 25 year old Mark Hunter's car, which one would you have put in his car? It would have been a mine for sales. Yeah, it would, it would, it would have been a mine for sales because what I needed was I had the clinical, I, I had the clinical process. I had all those steps down. I just didn't have the mind because my, my head was in a completely different location. And I think without a doubt, having that book, A Mind for Sales, would have changed my perspective, would have, would have changed. Um, and, and, and the problem was, like I said, he may have sat me down. It wasn't like suddenly I walked out a different person. You know, the skies opened up, the angels began to sing, and, and no, 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 it, it wasn't it an was, apostle. It wasn't an apostle Paul on the Damascus. No, it was not. No, it was not apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. No, it was not. Uh, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh, not, not at all. You know, it was, it was a, a, a very slow process. But what happened was, I really then began to see, and then your eyes begin. You know, it, it, it so it's a journey. This is, this is the, big, the, the biggest challenge salespeople have is they're afraid to align themselves with other six. This is why I say salespeople, you need a coach, you need a mentor. Tom Brady, GOAT. Let's not kid ourselves. Greatest football player ever. Think of how many coaches and, and trainers and support people he has. He's at the top of the game. Yes. I think we as say, we as as um, salespeople, business owners, you need to have a peer group. You need to be, you know, whether it be EO, whether it be Vistage, whether it be something, whether it be something. I mean, I, I lead a number of business groups of, of, yeah. of polling people because, again, it, you've got to have that support network out there. Well, and not only that, not only do you need the expertise of great people around you, but you need people that are natural encouragers as well, too. You've got to have somebody that that when listen, the one thing I you mentioned Tom Brady, and I, and I love that analogy. But what I what I see around Tom Brady as well, too, is is he doesn't Tom Brady doesn't have enablers around him. They the he has people saying, Okay, Tommy, look, come to the sideline. He's looking at the iPad. And he's got Byron Leftwich, former Marshall great. You heard, that's my school. You know, he's got Byron Leftwich encouraging him going, man, the next time we get out here, we're going to run this same play because you see what we didn't do here. We're going to run this again because I know it's going to work. He's got encouragers in his, in his ear. And I have always believed, and Mark, and I don't mean to dive off here for a minute, but, but I want to go here because you said something really important there. When salespeople learn to get encouragers in their corner, if it's other great salespeople, you become, you lift in, in your role. When I had encouragers in my corner, in my sales career, it was when I had some of the best years of my life. I, I remember years ago, um, I had won a salesperson of the year award in my company. And somebody said, well, how did you turn it from one year to the next? And 
And one of the, the veteran salespeople in the company, she said, was well, wife kicked him out of bed every morning. He has a new baby. His wife kicked him out of bed. But again, she was saying it without saying it. You, you got encouraged to get up and go and do what you needed to do. And, and, and you, you started making some things happen. I want to go here. I've got a couple more questions for you. Other than, other than where we went to with that moment, sitting across the table from, from the executive in your company, what's been one of the biggest obstacles in your life or career that you've overcome and the lesson you learned from it? Wow. That's, that's, you know, years ago when I chose to leave corporate America and began and begin the journey I'm on now, I've been doing this for 21 years. And uh, I initially thought it was really going to be a piece of cake. And you realize this is hard work. This is hard work. And you have to really rediscipline. Re, you know, we talked about, I talked earlier about this discipline muscle. When you're in corporate America and your calendar is kind of created for you, you know, these are the calls you got to make these, you know, you just kind of get into the routine. Suddenly being self-employed, it kind of changes it. So you do, you, you do. Uh, one of the challenges that we all have is, of course, staying focused and not chasing the shiny object. Squirrel, squirrel. I mean, come on, let's not kid ourselves. We are all, th this is one of the big challenges in this COVID work from home environment, I, I hear from people, is that they got, get caught up in, 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 in squirrel. They get caught up in shiny objects, and we have to be very, very careful of that. So that was a, that's been a huge, huge, um, transition I've had to make to be disciplined and then to also not allow. And, and this is probably one of, one of the things that you have to be very mindful of. Your time is your most valuable resource. That is without a doubt, your most valuable resource. And that's what I've had to really, really understand. And the analogy I love to use is a surgeon. And if you think of a healthcare system, think of a hospital. Hospitals are built from the surgery suites out because the surgery suite is basically where the revenue starts. Yeah. And everything comes out from that. And a good surgeon, I know some friends who are very good surgeons and they have block days that, okay, I'm in, I'm in surgery on Tuesdays. Yeah. And literally every 45 minutes, they're going to have another patient coming through. And they step from one room to the next room while they get that room ready. So, I mean, they're working two rooms, but it's happening. It's the productivity. It's the efficiency. And I think that's what we have to be able to do. And that was a huge obstacle I had to overcome because I thought I was disciplined with my time. Whoa, not even close. Well, and business owner, let, let's speak to that business owner that may be listening. That's that entrepreneur, that solopreneur that's out there. You know, when you get dialed in, you can really replicate that process to the point that you become cost efficient. You become time efficient. You were mentioned a surgeon. I have a good friend of mine. He's been on this podcast. He's an orthopedic surgeon in our area. And he told me one day, he said, Brian, I can do a hip replacement in 45 minutes. And he does those surgeries, like you said, when you were talking about that, Jay came to mind. There's just the, he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in surgery. I've got six surgeries. I know it's going to take me from open to close 45 minutes to do that hip. Now I can be in and out and I know what that day is going to look like. I love that analogy. I, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Mark, let's finish here. 
I know that, that, that part of what you do is encouraging salespeople all over the country. Give us your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. My biggest piece is your goal is to be very simple. It is to influence and impact people in a positive manner. And when you choose to make that your objective for the day, you will see opportunities. Opportunities will arise. However, the opportunities will not arise until you first have that mindset. How do you have that mindset? It's allowing other voices to come into your life. Now, you don't have time for negative voices. You don't have time for this other stuff out there. But when you stay focused, when you stay laser focused, you and I were talking beforehand about Zig Ziglar. And I still remember to this day, the last conversation I had with Zig, he was standing there with the redhead. And he was so fixed. There were probably four of us in a circle. We were talking, myself, the redhead, his wife, and another person, myself. And we were so in the moment. And I'll tell you what, I ended that conversation. I walked away a different person. Why? Because of the impact and the influence that he had on me. Did he wake up in the morning thinking he was going to do that? No, no. He knew he was going to influence and impact people. He didn't know he was going to do that to Mark Hunter. Right. I had several conversations with, with Zig over the years. And each one he never thought. But think about this for a moment. Your objective is that the people you meet, at the end of the day, they look back on the day and they say, you were one of the better parts of their day. Don't be their best part. Leave that for their spouse, their significant other. But if they can remember you as one of the better parts, wow, you've hit a home run. Yeah, yeah. And you know what happens when you hit a home run, Mark? The crowd stands up and, and applauds. Everyone around you stands and, and applauds. And, and that's the the beauty of doing that. Mark Hunter, tell folks how that they can connect with you. They're going to want to hear this. If they're not connected with you, I would encourage them to get connected with you. Tell, tell people where you are. If you're watching on YouTube, there's a lot of different ways you see Mark's banner behind him. But for those listening audially, audio, on audio version, I, I just came up with a word, audially. I don't think that's a word, Mark. But Hey, but if, you're, a, you're listening to the paid professional who can make up his own <laughs> words as he goes. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Hey, right. Um, it's thesalesunter.com. Hunter's my real last name. People say I yeah. was born salesperson. Well, you heard the story. No, I wasn't a born salesperson. Thesaleshunter.com is the website. And, of course, the newest book, A Mind for Sales. And, hey, grab it read it, leave a review of the book, tell others about it because it really is impact. It's, it's the book for right now for this period of time that we're in, but the saleshunter.com, tons of stuff out there. I'm all over social media. Um, hey, it's a great, it's a, it's great to be able to do what we get to do every day. Absolutely. Mark Hunter, I, I have so, one, I've been looking forward to this conversation and two, uh, you really delivered the goods today, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Intentional Encourager Podcast.
My thanks, as always, to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And, of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.